Good evening. Welcome to Calvary Chapel in the City, Sunday night, Genesis through Malachi. And we've been through Genesis, Genesis through Malachi once, and this is our second time around. Nothing like being steeped in the Word of God. I'm reading the testimony of a, a woman who has just a spectacular testimony. She was an English teacher. Uh, tenured at at Syracuse and she had not grown up in a Christian church but she read the Bible like five times before committing her life to the Lord and uh, the Bible will do that to you the Word of God will do that to you and uh, she was just so her life was just so directly opposed to the Word of God but she couldn't she couldn't help but see once she was in God's Word that, wow, this is the real thing. So, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We are in Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to be in verse 21. I thought we would be doing some review of last week's message, but I was just told that that's not going to be necessary. So, Exodus chapter... 12, verse 21, middle of the chapter. Let's pray before we begin. Father, we just thank you so much that we're here, and Lord, we believe that yes, something wonderful happens when we open the Word of God. We can't help but be drawn in by your grace, your irresistible grace. And I pray, Father, that you would do that work in our hearts this evening. We need it, Lord. We thank you that we can begin the day in the Word of God. We are even more thankful that we can end the day in the Word of God. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we have been through the uh, ten plagues. At least with the tenth plague, the Passover, we've had it thoroughly described to us. We're going to see it, the working out of it this evening. The plagues, many things were being accomplished in them. You know, in the, in, in the stuff of life, when you are in a trial or in a mess or if it's just, I don't know, just regular everyday life and uh, sometimes uh, you will hear Christians uh, say something to the effect, well, you know, this, this intense thing is ha- going on, but uh, it, it, it's, it, there's no doubt that, that you know, this, this person, Harry, really needed it to happen now. He's going through a, a, a great learning. Uh, well, in fact, when there's a trial, something is going on in everyone who is in it. 
And uh, even, even myself as a pastor, I've learned that if someone is going through a great tragedy or if they're in a time of rebellion and they're having to be confronted or they're in a time of, uh, in, your li- in their life of, of something else happening, part of what's going on in the whole thing is something in my heart <laughs> as I'm ministering to them. God's ministering and he's doing a work in everyone and he's doing it with these 10 plagues. He's delivering Israel from bondage, the land of bondage from uh, Egypt. But so many different things are going on. Among others, he is judging the Egyptian gods, as we have seen. That, um, as we have seen, that the judgments, the plagues, were not arbitrary. There was a plague of uh, involving the River Nile. Well, there was a god of the River Nile. There was a plague of frogs. Well, there was an Egyptian god of frogs. I even horrified you by putting a, a picture up of the Egyptian god of frogs. There were... Uh, you know, gods of, of livestock, and um, there were, uh, there's an Egyptian sun god, and that was that plague of darkness uh, that happened. And uh, so God was j- doing something there. He was judging the, uh, the Egyptian gods, but, but in so doing, he was trying to draw the Egyptians, Egyptians themselves to him. Look, your gods will never save you. They're powerless to save you. But of course, he was also, uh, in addition to delivering the Israelites, he was getting the Israelites to know them in such a deeper, closer way. As we, uh, I quoted several times from the book of Ezekiel, the uh, Israelites during this time period had embraced Egyptian gods. Not a whole lot is said about that. But that's, uh, that's what the Bible teaches. That's why when Moses, in a few chapters from now, when Moses disappears on the mountain of God, all of a sudden they're making a golden calf and uh, worshiping it. And so uh, he's getting to know, uh, 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 he's, he's getting the Israelites to know him in, in a greater way. I've been quoting Isaiah 43 a lot in, in recent months which it just lists out in that chapter the purposes of why God made you. And first and foremost among them is so that you will get to know him, believe him, and understand that he is who he is. And so that's happening too. And of course, there is just the astounding 10th plague in the foreshadowing, the prophetic foreshadowing in at the pass over where so many different things about that particular uh, judgment against Egypt is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. The fact that they were to get a lamb. Jesus of Christ, Jesus of course is called the Lamb of God. But the Lamb needs to be without blemish. Um, Jesus Christ 
was tempted uh, in every way we were yet without sin. The lamb was to be a male of the first year. Jesus Christ was cut off in the prime of life. And uh, the fact that uh, the, the lamb could not uh, have a broken bone on it. It was to be, uh, it was to be roasted uh, in, in fire. Uh, with its um, bones all in place, Jesus also um, his bones were were not uh, were not broken, unlike the thieves uh, on his right and on his left. A little bit more of that later. So much foreshadowing. The blood of the lamb was put over the doorpost and on the two signs. In other words, sides rather of the of the door of the house and uh, representing the cross and, and, and perhaps most importantly about the Passover is when the destroying angel and, and, and you know, we'll, we'll see more about that tonight, uh, tonight when he went throughout Egypt and killed all the firstborn and he got to the house of the Jews, the Hebrews. He didn't ask, okay, I got to make a decision of whether I judge this house. Has anyone in this house raped anyone? Has anyone in this house murdered anyone? Has anyone in this house lied to anyone? None of those questions. He just looked at the blood. And it's, it's a, a picture of our salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. We talked about the, it this morning. At the day of judgment, God's not going to be saying, "Did you? You know, why do, should I let you into my heaven?" Well, uh, let me ask you a few questions. Have you lied? Have you murdered? Have you um, have you cheated? Have you helped out people enough in your life? No, none of that. It's it's going to be whether the blood was applied to your life. So so much going on in everyone's life. Uh, lives w- with these ten plagues. And so we got the description of the Passover last week, verse 21 of chapter 12. This is where we begin tonight. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs of yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop. Hyssop makes another appearance at the cross, doesn't it? Uh, when I believe they put some, put a sponge of vinegar on a on a hyssop, on a branch of hyssop, and handed it to uh, to Jesus, and uh, that's another foreshadowing here. But uh, he, he he's telling the elders take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, the blood of the lamb. Strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that. Uh, is in the basin and none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. Our life was hidden, is hidden with Christ in God, Colossians says. And it's, it's the refuge. The, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. It, uh, we need only f- st- 
stay and run to the cross, the place of salvation. And, you know, we don't go out in the world for salvation. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. Let's hide ourselves in the cleft of the rock with, with Jesus. Verse 23, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the uh, lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. And it will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you just as he promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? Now this is a theme throughout the next couple of chapters is that you need to steep your children in the word of God. Don't give in to the lie that, well, I, you know, my parents just forced all this stuff on me. I don't want to do that with my children. That's a lie. That's a lie from, the, from, from hell. You need to steep your children in the things of the Lord, the richness of the Word of God. Of course, you do it with love and patience and, and understanding. But verse 26, verse 26, the children, what do you mean by this? That you shall say it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our household. It says, so the people bowed their heads and worshiped. You know, it is a wonderful picture of the children of Israel honoring the Lord here, blessing the Lord here. They bow down and worship here. And it's not going to always be like this. This is going to be short-lived. You know, in the Bible, we have already seen in our study of Genesis and Exodus just some wonderful examples of, of people who persevered with the Lord. I think of Joseph. Unfortunately, the Israelites as a group are not going to do this, but it's, 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 it's a wonderful picture here where the people bow down their heads in the worship. There's a humility with them here. There's such a beauty in humility. But verse 28 says, Then the children of Israel went away and did so. I'll underline that word, did. So you can have all the knowledge of God. You can know exactly what you're supposed to do with this Passover lamb. You can, be, you can have all the details just perfectly. But if you don't do it, there's going to be judgment. You can know everything about the Word of God, about who Jesus is. That He was born of a virgin. That He lived a perfect life. That He died as a substitute for the world. He was raised after three days, that he ascended into heaven. And now he offers salvation for free. He knocks on the door of the heart of man and says, If anyone knocks, I will come in. I stand at the door and knock. But if you don't obey and actually 
do and apply that blood to your life and say, yes, Lord, come in. All that knowledge isn't going to do a bit of good. You know, if any Jew that night got this fancy idea, well, I know about all this stuff and, and that's good enough for me. Knowledge doesn't save anybody. It's, it's, the, it's, it's believing by faith with a heart of repentance. The Bible speaks of obeying the gospel. We're not saved by works. We baptized five people today. Thank God. Praise the Lord for that. And um, I asked them the question, do you understand that Jesus has offered you the gift of salvation? There's not a thing that you can do to earn it. And there's a thing, there's, there's also nothing that you you don't do to unearn it. You, 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 you can't earn it or unearn it. It's not something earned. But nevertheless, the gospel is something that's obeyed. No one goes to heaven unless they obey the gospel. Meaning they say, yes, Lord, I will. I repent. I receive you as Lord and Savior into my, uh, my life. And, and the Bible says that you know, faith without works is, is dead. A real obedience to the gospel will result in a life that's obedient to the Lord. And so they did. They didn't just get the knowledge, verse 28. They did so just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. And it came to pass, verse 29, at midnight, that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants, and all Egypt all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And so imagine the decades, even centuries, of the weeping in the houses of the children of Israel when their kids were murdered by Pharaoh, and the weeping there. But you know the Bible says vengeance is the Lord's. And you know that's, that's part of what happens here. There's a judgment that's happening on Egypt. But the wonderful thing about the Lord's judgments, He, he never overdoes it. We overdo it. If we, if, we, if, if we try to repay, we always make a huge, gigantic mess of stuff. But here there, there, there is a repayment. Whatever a man sows, he reaps. And that's the believing and the unbelieving world. Verse 31, Then he called Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Also take your flocks and your, and your herds as you have said, and be gone and bless me also. Hmm. So remember, prior to this time, after a few of the plagues, he, he was willing to let them go, but he had conditions, didn't he? At one point he said, I'll let you go, but you need to stay in the land. You can't go out in the wilderness. 
Another time he said, you can go, but you can't take your children. Another time he said, you can go, but you can't take your flocks. At this point, there's no conditions. You know, God, can't fight against God, can you? It's just pointless. If you're fighting against God tonight, just give up. He's going to get his way in your life. Give up. And so Pharaoh here uh, gives up, as we will find out, it's going to be short-lived. Verse 33, and the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. So not only Pharaoh, the people of Egypt were, we got to get these people out of here. I mean, these people have been, they've, the, the land has been destroyed. Obviously, their God is a God greater than any Egyptian God, and he wants them to leave. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them whatever they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. So the year... Uh, rather, the uh, the years and years of slave labor, where there was no payment, well, all of a sudden here, there's repayment. Uh, they're, they're they're going out with the gold and the silver and the garments of the Egyptians. Uh, so just this amazing uh, uh, thing here that's, that's happening. Uh, you know, sometimes it takes a while for God to exercise judgment as he's doing now in the Egyptians, not only with the death of the firstborn and all the other plagues, but also their possessions. And sometimes we wonder and we look around, why is judgment taking so long? I was just in recently in my Bible study, um, the Amalekites, and well, they're going to show up in just a little while. They attacked Israel from behind, and, and God said, I'm going to wipe them all out. It took like five or six hundred years. Ahab, one of the most wicked people mentioned in the Bible. In fact, it's so wicked, um, you know, when we used to say Ahab around here and Jezebel, his wife, people had a ooh, everyone went ooh. Let's just do it. Ahab and Jezebel. Right. I mean, they're, they're like wicked people in the Bible. But when, after when Elijah first told them, look, you are going to be judged by God, it took like 20 or 30 years. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, God's love suffers long. It's a long time. As he sees us rebelling against him, treating uh, him like an enemy, it takes a long time for him to judge. Thank God we're not God ourselves, right? We'd be wiping out everyone. If he made someone else God 30 years ago, they would have wiped me out. And so, you know, thank God that God is God. It, 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 it really took a long time, but God gets it done. And so the judgment is finally, uh, really, you could say, unleashed uh, here uh, on, the, uh, on the Egyptians. Verse 
just before we move on, I always, I do always like in this kind of setting to, when, when, when this kind of thing is discussed to quote Proverbs 13, 22, a good person leaves an inheritance for the children's children. A sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. And that's exactly what happens here. Verse 37, and the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth and about 600,000 men on foot besides children. So you probably have about 2 million uh, people when it includes uh, uh, women and children. Verse 38, a mixed multitude went up with them also. So these were non-Jews. These guys are going to show up later. They're going to be big trouble. The mixed multitude. They're like, you know, I like what's happening to these Hebrews. They seem to be in favor with someone somewhere. They're leaving here and they're loaded up with gold and silver. I think, well, I think we should go along too. But they're going to be a thorn in the side of the children of Israel. And, and you know, this happens even to this day. There's there's, uh, there's movements even within what we call Christianity and uh, churches uh, and movements that, like, wow, it looks like it's like the cool thing to do is to join that church. And church becomes about being cool uh, more than about following God. But when the persecution comes, ooh boy, uh, is there a falling away. So the mixed multitude, we'll read more about them later. They uh, follow as well. Verse 39, and they baked unleavened bread, uh, rather unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. Now the sojourn of the children of Israel, I mean, the time they were in, uh, in Egypt was 430 years. Verse 41 makes a big deal of this point, and it came to pass at the end of the 430 years on that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. So it was prophesied that it would be a certain amount of time and on the very day that that time expired that's when they left verse 40 God's faithful to his promises Verse 42, it is a night of solemn observance to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord, a solemn observance for all the children of Israel throughout their generations. This is why the, the Passover, uh, it's um, still celebrated today uh, by the Jews. There is that verse in 1 Corinthians which says 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 purge out the old leaven that he uh, that you may have a new lump as you are unleavened for even Christ our Passover is a sacrifice for us and then it says in 1 Corinthians 5 8 therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven but 
not with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I know at least one good Bible teacher who thinks that Christians should be celebrating the Passover because of that verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. It, it, it does say, therefore let us keep the feast, referring to the Passover. However, I, I, I really believe what's going on there is that he's, he's talking about um, really the, the Lord's Supper it's, and um, really the, the heart behind it is, you know, on a daily basis, we, have, we can have communion with the Lord now and, and get out the leaven of malice and wickedness and, and uh, chew on the bread of sincerity uh, and truth. Jesus said in John chapter 6, to the multitude that had just seen uh, the miracle of the fish and loaves, he said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, uh, 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 rather, unless you're willing to eat my flesh and drink my, uh, my blood, uh, you cannot be my disciple. He, he, and a bunch of them said, this is a hard saying, and they left. In fact, 5,000 of them left. But, but what Jesus re- is referring to, I believe, is what's being referred to in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, is that and 8, is this, that that's the feast. We can feast on the Lord every day. Also, probably a, a reference to the Lord's Supper and, and, and communion. Uh, but um, the Jews to this day celebrate the, the Passover, as verse 42 says, that uh, Christ is our Passover. There's been a fulfillment of the feast another reason why I don't think we should be still be celebrating it. There's nothing wrong with celebrating, a Christian celebrating uh, the Passover. But verse 43 says, And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover, no foreigner shall eat it. So frequently when we're having communion, we do make the point that communion was given by Jesus quite clearly for believers in Christ, people who had have made the decision to receive Jesus. Children of God. And it, it's for them. And then there's just passages in, in 1 Corinthians 11 that appear that, you know, someone is, is not a believer, is not at least seeking the Lord uh, and uh, following Him and they, you know, you, you, you need to be careful. It's a solemn thing. It represents the, 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 the cup representing the blood of Jesus. And the bread representing his broken body. It's really a hard thing. We're not superstitious. Um, that, you know, someone happens to have the Passover that... It's not, I'm rather the communion, there's not a Christian, they're going to drop dead or anything like that. But it's, it's really a serious thing. It represents the blood of Christ that uh, the, 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 the wine does. And, and, and the bread, the broken body of Jesus. But th- this is what it's getting at really in verse 43. The, the Passover, it's a solemn thing. No foreigner shall eat it. But every man's servant who is bought for money, when you have circumcised him, then he may eat it. A sojourner and a hired servant shall not eat it. In one house it shall be eaten, and you shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. So you don't, the Passover lamb, you don't break its bones. And that is why. On the day that Jesus was crucified, he 
gave up his spirit. He, di he died. But the thief on his right and the, and the left had not died yet. They hadn't been beaten to a pulp before they were nailed to the cross. Now, in crucifixion, death typically came by asphyxiation. Uh, when you're hanging on the cross, you... you, you you can't you can't breathe as you as you lose strength and your body slumps down so your lungs sort of collapse and so if you can't hold up your body with your legs with your feet you will die of asphyxiation and so the two thieves one was right and the left they hadn't died yet so they broke the legs I believe it's the book of John that details this of the thieves because they hadn't died yet so they would uh, they, the Roman soldiers wanted to hasten the death of them and then when they came to Jesus he had died already so they uh, did not uh, break his legs and so yet another fulfillment here verse 47 and the congregation of Israel shall keep it and when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord. Let all his males be circumcised and then let him come near and keep it. So a foreigner can keep the Passover provided that he really is saved, so to speak. It becomes a child of God, a follower of Jehovah, which uh, circ circumcision was, uh, was necessary in order to do that, in order to convert to Judaism. Verse 49, one law shall be for the native born and for the stranger who dwells among you. Thus all the children of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. And it came to pass on that very same day that the Lord brought the children Israel out of the land of Egypt according to their armies. And then chapter 13, sort of a review. Passover is a big, 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 big deal in the Jewish community. Um, it's it's uh, a, a review of sort of of the importance. So he goes back and he says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. And Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. And so he is impressing on the people, remember your day of deliverance. And I bring this up frequently when I'm talking about devotion times. It's a healthy thing just to remember from whence you came. Remember what God saved you from. Remember that. We so easily forget. This is one of the reasons uh, we don't do the Passover, but we do communion. Uh, we do it uh, once a month on Sunday morning and once every other uh, month on Sunday evening. Some churches do it every week. It's to remember from what we have been saved from and how the blood of Jesus we were saved from it. Verse 4, On this day you are going out in the month of Abib. So that's the first day of the Jewish calendar. 
I think later on it's going to be called the month of Nisan. They call it Abib here, same thing. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. Uh, That's an interesting thing there. We'll see this reference a lot, a reference to a land flowing with milk and honey there's something about God's prosperity of us that makes us forget our salvation. And we begin to worship the, the land flowing with milk and honey and not Him. And one of the, you know, one of the, way, way, think, one of the ways, of course, we have, there was a gift by God to prevent that from happening. Once again, it's the Lord's Supper. It's our communion. For the Jews, it was their Passover. And oh, are they going to forget God when they get into the land of Canaan, when they start to reap, particularly um, you know, after the death of Solomon, you'll see in the north and in the south, great times of prosperity. People departed completely from the Lord. And at times stopped. We will read later on, uh, in the uh, first and second kings, they just stopped the Passover altogether. Just stopped celebrating altogether. And, and so just forgetting where they had come from, what they had been saved from, and how it was done. It was no fault of the Lord's <laughs> because he had told them specifically, you, when you get into the land flowing with milk and honey, don't forget what happened to you where you were in bondage and how you uh, came um, out. For six, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. I may have misspoke uh, last Sunday night. So the Passover feast was from evening to evening, which is a day for, for a Jew. And that's immediately followed by the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They, they would not have leaven in their bread. Again, it was a remembrance that on that day of the Passover, they went out with such haste, they didn't have time for their bread to leaven. So they went out with unleavened bread. Leaven, of course, in the Bible, representative sin. So that's, um, uh, there's, a, again, a beautiful picture there. Passover, it's the deliverance of the Lord we're saved by the Lamb. We're saved. We've been delivered by Jesus. But then we have a responsibility to get the leaven, the sin out of our life. Second Peter chapter 1 says, Add to your faith moral excellence. Second Peter chapter 1 speaks of that. And a beautiful picture, a foreshadowing of that here. That God has delivered you. But look, out of response, Response to his deliverance, a response of love. Remember, God's always the initiator, not us. We don't initiate to try to get God's attention and his love. No, he loves as initiation for us to respond. Out of response to your uh, deliverance, get out the unleaven, get out the leaven from your uh, from your bread and your houses. Uh, it says, unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, verse seven, and no leavened bread shall be seen among you, nor shall leaven be seen among you in all your uh, quarters. In verse eight, again, this theme 
of children, instructing our children, so important. And you shall tell your son in that day, saying, this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. It shall be a sign to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes and the Lord's law may be in your mouth for with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. Notice how much he's repeating himself. The Holy Spirit repeats himself in those areas where he knows we're so knuckleheaded we're going to forget. And he hasn't, he hasn't stopped repeating because he's going to go on and, and speak more of this. But it shall be a sign to you on your hand and a memorial between your eyes. And so verse 16, I'll get back to verse 10, but verse 16 says, it shall be a sign on your hand and as frontless between your eyes. So you do see Orthodox Jews to this day. They have these little boxes. You may have seen it. And inside the little boxes, there's scripture, and they actually put it like in between their eyes. And they have the same type of thing, little boxes with scripture in their hands. And uh, I think that's a tragedy. I think what they're doing then, it's just becoming religion. And when you get into those kind of ritualistic practices, it, it attention is no longer on the Lord. It's whether or not you're obeying all these rituals. Now, can't, I can't say that there aren't folks out there doing that, which they're just remembering really the heart of the passage, which is we need to have the belt of truth buckled around our waist. We need the, the, the word of God tied into every single area of our life, as we discussed this morning. Um, Unfortunately, so often in the Word of God, this beautiful picture is turned into something that's not so beautiful, legalism. And unfortunately, that's been done uh, with uh, these verses, verse 9 and verse 16. Verse 10 says, You shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season from year to year, and it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of Canaan, as he swore to you and your fathers and gives it to you that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb that is, that is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the male shall be the Lord. So the, anything, uh, the firstborn of a womb um, out of an animal will be sacrificed to the Lord. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. Wow, what's this about? Uh, well, the donkey was an unclean animal and so it could not be sacrificed to the Lord and so you would take a lamb and redeem it instead and if you didn't want to give one of your lambs you had to break its neck well let's just hope that no one did that <laughs> but uh, uh, I've had a couple really cool times on on donkeys donkeys are cool I'm looking at Jerry over there I remember seeing Jerry and Haiti on a donkey it was a really really interesting sight um, so but anyway donkeys I love donkeys May have been a mule, I don't remember. But anyway, enough of that. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Now that's not talking about human sacrifice. It's talking about you shall redeem, meaning um, there was this, uh, this, this practice with the firstborn of the firstborn son that you would go offer a lamb as a sacrifice. And again, it's all tied back to the Passover. The, the Lord is just continually 
telling him, you've got to remember your salvation. But remember, with all these things, it's also that foreshadowing of Jesus Christ and his salvation as well. Verse 14, so it shall be. So again, here we go. He's repeating what he's already reiterated. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this that you shall say to him? By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, and it shall come to pass. When Pharaoh was stubborn among and it came to pass, rather, when Pharaoh was stubborn among le- about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrificed to the Lord all males that opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. And it shall be a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes, for by strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. And then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by way of the land of Philistines. So they're on their way, folks. They are on their way. Hey, can we have that map? Do we have that map? So it says in verse... Uh, so your name's not Hay. It's, it's Dan. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, yeah, I know. Hay is for horses. Dan. Verse 17 says, Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So we may not have this. I, I, I emailed that before the service. I don't know if you can find it, Dan. But the point here being is that there was a direct route right up to the land of Canaan, And there was a really, really long one. God chose for them to take the really, really long one. Think of sort of Saudi Arabia. And they sort of circled the the borders of it. uh, And took the long route around. And it says here, God didn't lead them in the quickest way, the most direct way. Because the people, perhaps they would change their mind. Now, now again, at this time, the people of Israel did not have that close, rich relationship with God that Israel actually one day would have. It, they had embraced Egyptian gods. They knew about God. They didn't have that relationship with Him. And God is going to build them up you could say a little at a time. He, he knows what trials that they're capable of facing. And they were not capable of facing the armies that they, uh, that they might meet on their way if they took the short route. And, and so true, God in the way he introduces trials and tribulations in your life, he does that in order to refine you. But let me tell you, um, you may think you're ready to go right to the land of flowing with milk and honey. But God oftentimes knows that you're not ready. And he wants you, you to get to the point where there's enough maturity in your life that you don't start worshiping the created thing rather than the creator. And sometimes this is really hard. You, you may say, well, I'm ready for marriage. 
and God is having you in a period of waiting. Or you may have some ministry. You're ready for... I'm ready to preach evangelistic crusades to 50,000 people. Oh, I know I am. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, I know I'm ready to, for this promotion at work. Well, the last thing God wants is for pride to come in to your life and for you to just take a big, big fall. He knows... Uh, what he is doing many times the longer harder way is the much much better way oh as I look back on my life what a disaster disaster it would have been if I got what I want wanted when I wanted it so here we have it here um, they left from the area of, of Ramses up there Succoth and they uh, there's there by the way there's many different versions there's a number of different versions um, of this particular route. Uh, do we have the laser light somewhere back there? Um, I can play around with my favorite toy, the laser light. Uh, but there's, there's different routes that different uh, Bible scholars uh, think uh, that the, the route was. But um, this is obviously... Going traveling south here was uh, uh, thank you very much. Oops, 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 oops. Do you mind grabbing that? Thank you. Some people have them crossing here. Some people have them crossing here. Um, here, um, this particular commentator has them, po uh, you know, crossing right here. Uh, the you know, sort of the Red Sea uh, being this like whole body of water um, up through here. But, uh, and some have them going way down here. Uh, but needless to say, uh, needless to say, uh, this is a longer route than going uh, right here. And so, uh, the long road that the Lord sometimes uh, puts us on. Verse 18 says, So God led the people ar around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under Solomon, uh, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So, uh, 350 years earlier, Joseph, Genesis chapter 50, verse 25, he says, you know, I, I really, I want, really guys, I'm about to die, but I want you to take my bones up to the promised land. And it actually happens here. Uh, it's the fulfillment of that. It's honored. And um, it's, um, it's a big deal. In fact, I believe it's actually mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 for Joseph. Everything that Joseph did, they mentioned this, that when he was about to die, by faith, he had told them, remember Hebrews 11 is all about faith. By faith, he said, look, I, I, we're, you guys are going back. You guys are going back to the land flowing on milk and honey. 
and I want you to take my bones with you. Verse 20, so they took their journey from Succoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them, lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to keep them light so as to so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So God leading the way. He's leading the way there. And uh, we're going to close there this evening. On Sunday evenings, we close the service with prayer and the way we do that is we just get into little groups of four and five if you need to leave now the usher in the back has the parking tokens but the worship team Dan will come up here we're going to turn the lights down just a little low and we are going to pray we don't just want to have a bible study and um, so we're learning the word of God knowing it well let's apply it through prayer just as he learned this evening and and pray the lord and we have a ministry we pray each sunday night for a ministry we support but we also use what we learned here as a springboard for prayer so if you can just get into little groups of four and five i will turn to you in just a few minutes and i will lead us in prayer So a lot this evening, the Holy Spirit repeats in these chapters over and over and over and over again, doesn't he? This thing about, don't you forget, you were rescued from the land of bondage and God delivered you with a great deliverance. And so I, I think we... We prayed along the lines last week, but I just want to continue. So how we do it on Sunday night, just pray, just as Dan begins the worship, just one or one or two of you just in there, uh, one at a time, but you, you can two or three or four, however many, just thank the Lord for rescuing you, for delivering you. If you want to include some details about what you've been delivered from, just go for it. And just the remembrance of the cross. It wasn't through a series of plagues and opening up the Red Sea. It was the cross. It was that, that perfect life that Jesus in every way tempted as we yet without sin. It was the resurrection. So let's just begin as Dan begins worshiping. Just, just praying directly to the Lord. Thanking the Lord for his deliverance, remembering the deliverance and thanking him for it. 